This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Okay, I'm Chris Avena with American Outdoor News, and today we have the NFL's leading scorer and four-time uh, Super Bowl winner, Adam Venateri. Adam, thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I got to ask you, how do you sit in a hunting stand with all those Super Bowl rings without making noise? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I obviously don't wear them. I don't want to get them too dirty and bloody. But uh, yeah, football's been a blessing for me for many, many years. And uh, everybody always used to ask, what's the worst thing about football? And they always think it's, you know, injuries or this or that. And I always tell them uh, it's the same season during hunting season. So I don't get to get out in the woods as much during, uh, during football. But now being retired from football after 24 years in the league, um, I'm getting a little bit more free time. Still, still involved with football, with coaching my sons and doing some of that stuff. But uh, um, it was definitely a blessing. Allowed me uh, the springs to go travel around and do some destination type hunting and stuff. But uh, definitely enjoying these past couple falls of being out and watching the watching the tree, the colors change on the trees, and uh, watching the sun come up and down in, in a stand is a beautiful thing. I think the best part of this season is watching the leaves leaves on the ground turn. Yeah, for sure. Well, I tell you, this year it's been a little hot one day, cold the next day. So I think we're going to get into some uh, consistent weather, and that should hopefully keep them bucks moving around, and uh, and uh, hopefully we'll get a good opportunity later this month. Now, you you grew up in South Dakota. I did. Yeah, yeah. You Very must have nice. had hunting season all year round. We, we really did. You know, my, my mom's side of the family were farmers from the eastern side of the state. So we did all the upland bird hunting, the, the pheasants, the ducks, the geese, all that stuff. 
and a little bit of deer hunting out there as well. But uh, we lived in Rapid City, um, which is right on the Black Hills. So really good deer hunting, some antelope hunting. Uh, if you're a South Dakota resident, there's elk hunting as, as well. So oh, wow. be, being in South Dakota is, uh, you know, I'm not sure that there's a better state. I know there's probably states that maybe, hey, if you're looking to whitetail deer hunt, maybe you're thinking Iowa or Illinois or something. And if you're thinking elk hunting, you're thinking, you know, Utah, Colorado, some of New Mexico. But for us, being in South Dakota, we had the best of everything. You had deer hunting, elk hunting, bird hunting. Uh, there was a lot of great stuff out there. So I, I feel like I was very blessed being from South Dakota. Did you have a favorite season? Um, you know, for, for me and my family, uh, opening weekend of pheasant season, which is like right about now, mid-November, you know, the second, third week of October in South Dakota was amazing. All the relatives got together. My, my dad and my brothers and myself would all, would, would all go out there in the cornfields and, and shelter belts and sloughs and, and walk and, and work the dogs and, and really be, uh, it, it seemed like every, every fall that was the one thing that I looked the most forward to kind of changed and doing a little bit more big game hunting now that I live in Indiana but um but yeah pheasant hunting with with the family was definitely a treat because it seemed like there was 25 relatives that would get together and and my uncle who was a farmer back there he would cut the cornfields you know they would cut them in strips that we could handle and stuff so I mean I got I got spoiled rotten uh, growing up as a kid for sure yeah, you must have had game all over the farm. It was unbelievable. Yeah, we, we I mean, you, you know, we don't limit out every year, obviously, but uh, but there was definite years that that we kind of had it figured out. You know, depending on the season and depending on the weather would would dictate our success a little bit. But uh, uh, there wasn't a single year or day that I regretted not, you know, the time spent out there, you know, getting to spend time with the family and, and uh, siblings and the dogs and watching them work and all that stuff was was amazing for sure. Have you raised your kids around hunting as well? Or? 100%, yeah. My, my two boys love it a lot. My, my daughter uh, has dabbled in it. She's gone with me a couple of times. I, I don't think it's necessarily her favorite thing. Uh, I think getting up early in the morning when it's cold out, she's probably like, I'd rather be sleeping. But my two boys definitely love it. My, my wife enjoys going out in the woods, but she doesn't, uh, she doesn't want to pull the trigger or sling an arrow or anything. She, she yeah. enjoys being out in the, in the outdoors, but, but not necessarily killing anything. Yeah, that's my son. He likes the outdoors, likes being out in the woods. He has no desire to shoot anything. And there that's fine. There that's you go. Fine. Yeah, no, I tell you, for me, it was always a, it was always a, um, during football season, it always was a great decompressor for me. The season's long and, and uh, stressful, people around all the time. And for me to be able to get out into the woods and, and hear nothing other than birds waking up in the morning and, you know, the owls in the evening and, and turkeys gobbling in the, in, the, in the spring and stuff. For me, just getting away from humanity and getting out in the wild was, was a thing that made me happy. A lot of people don't understand that. Yeah, for sure. If they had never done it, they don't understand it. They think, why do you want to get up at four or five o'clock in the morning and sit out in the cold and do all that stuff? And, and it's hard to explain to them why until they've done it and then they get it. What, uh, what traditions have you taken away from uh, hunting? What stands out the most? Um, you know, for me, like I said, for me, it's just being around the people that 
that I want to be around, you know, my growing up as, as a kid and still being able to hunt with my dad and my, my, my brothers has been great. And now with my brother's kids and my kids, it's just a family tradition. And I think for me, um, it's less about hanging the animal on the wall and more about spending time with your family. You know, people always, you know, non-hunters always ask, you know, why do you have these dead animals on your wall? And I go, well, every one of those animals is a, is a, is a memory, is a time in my life. I can tell you exactly where I was at, who I was with, what the weather was, you know, what, whatever the situation may be. So for me, it's a snapshot in time of spending mm -hmm. time with my family. And, you know, a lot of times it's hard to, to get everybody together, to get families together and to go spend times. And for one reason or another, the, the hunting season was traditionally a time where we could all get together. And, and maybe it was, you know, twice a year you get together as a family thing. And, and it seems like it was always kind of around hunting and, and getting together for that. So it, uh, for me, that was the tradition for me. Now, when you played ball, uh, did the Patriots or, or the Colts, did they have anything to say about your hunting? You know, uh, no, they, and that was always one thing that I always made sure, you know, uh, signing contracts, sometimes they want you to minimize risks, you know, they, you know, yeah. no, no skydiving, no driving race cars. And I always told them, Hey, listen, I, I, I hunt, so I'll be carrying a gun in the field, and I like to go to lots of different destinations across the world. And uh, and that, I was told that's non-negotiable. I said, if you want me to play for your team, I'm going to do this stuff. I suppose more as I got older in my career, but uh, I didn't do a lot of hunting when I was in Massachusetts just because it's so populated that it, it was hard to find ground to go hunt. And, it, and if I could find it, it was a long ways out. But here in Indiana, it's, it's I mean, this is a very hunter-friendly state. Um, so it's really easy to, to meet people that will let you come hunt and or, you know, I've got a little bit of ground myself now. So, uh, yeah, no, they, they, they never gawked at it too much. I think uh, I always had a couple of teammates um, on every team that I played on that, that, you know, we had a couple of, you know, kids from Iowa or Kansas or whatever that like to hunt and and, yep. um, and enjoy that. So they, they didn't walk at it too terribly much. And occasionally I got to take a, a teammate or two out and, and uh, introduce hunting to them as well. Yeah, that's always that's always good to do. It's a bonus. Yeah, yeah for sure. I'm actually uh, an avid visitor to St. Elmo's. In, uh, in... Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you stay there, that's for sure. Yeah, they definitely have good ones. Now, um, you have a reputation of being very cool under pressure. Now, when you're standing in your stand and you see the trophy of a lifetime standing in front of your broadside, yep. are you still so cool and collected when you're drawing on that thing? Well, I tell you, honestly, if you ever lose the excitement of your heart racing out of your chest and you getting a little jittery and stuff, it's the time to stop hunting because for me, I don't care if it's the buck of a lifetime or whatever the situation may be. I still get that excitement to be able to calm your nerves down and to make a good, you know, to, to, to make sure that, uh, you know, if you're using your bow, you keep the pin on the animal. I, there's absolutely times where I know uh, I got pretty excited and, and I can't lie. I've never made perfect shots all the time by no means. But he does. But, but uh, I can keep it under control for the most part. I've always had buddies that I'd laugh. I'm like, thank God you wear a harness. You're going to fall out of the tree. You're shaking so much. But I was never quite that bad. But um, I do think, you know, obviously, if I 
you know, you, if that if that buck comes down the trail and you know he's a shooter, my heart starts jumping out of my chest too. But thankfully, 99% of the time, I can keep my nerves under control and, and make a good shot. So, um, yeah, you know, that's just, that's part of hunting. I think, I think that's why we do it, you know, is for that excitement and that, and that, uh, the joy of doing that. Now you've traveled all over the world, Africa, Alaska, the Arctic. Uh, where's your favorite place? You know, <sighs> I love Africa. I've been there a lot, a lot of times. It's, a, it's really a gentleman's hunt for the most part. I mean, obviously, most of the times, unless you're doing some real remote stuff, which I'm going to go to Cameroon into the rainforest and chase some bongos here in a year from now. So That's that right. that is less comfortable and, and more roughing it. But but for the most part, when you do some of the lodges in Africa, it's 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 very five star-ish, you know, you get to sleep in a comfortable bed, they feed the crap out of you, there's tons of game going around. The Arctic was sleeping in tents uh, around grizzly bears and polar bears and stuff like that. It's less comfortable, but but if you want to go shoot a muskox or, 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 or a polar bear, you got to go where they live. So that's part of the deal. So for me, it's less about being comfortable and more about seeing the terrain you know, Alaska is beautiful. I absolutely love Alaska, the Yukon, stuff like that. So, so for me, you know, I don't know if I have a, a favorite, you know, a lot of the, a lot of my friends are like, man, I'd rather whitetail deer hunt than anything on the planet. And I'm like, I agree. I love whitetail deer hunting, but you know, I love to sheep hunt. And as long as I'm still healthy and climb them mountains, I'm going to keep doing that until my knees give out. So um, <laughs> for me, for me, it's, it's really about just experiencing a new place in the world and seeing new culture. Um, I haven't hunted New Zealand or Australia and stuff yet, but I visited out there and I'm looking forward to doing that too. So, so you know, I don't necessarily have a favorite. Um, I know going into the Arctic is not for the faint at heart. If you're not willing to be in extremely cold conditions and being a little uncomfortable, you probably shouldn't do that hunt. And I'm thinking the same thing going into the rainforest in a year from now. It's going to be hot. There's going to be a million bugs. It's yeah. probably not great sleeping conditions and stuff like that. But if you want, if you want to do it, if you want to be and, and experience that, you have to deal with a little bit of that. And I think that part scares some people away too. You know, if you want to, if you want to have a comfortable, fun hunt that you get to shoot a lot of animals, go to South Africa. That's a that's an easy, fairly easy to get in and out. Fairly easy to bring guns in and out. You're going to have a great time. But uh, you know, if you want to, if you want to shoot a bighorn sheep, it's not in Africa. You know, you got to nope. go where you want to go. You know, so. Have you taken the big five in Africa? Uh, I have not shot an elephant yet. Um, and I went leopard hunting this last year and unfortunately in Namibia, and uh, which is one of the driest countries uh, south of the Sahara Desert. And unfortunately it rained 11 of the 14 days we were there. Wow. Leopards don't like rain and I came home without getting one. So I've got to I've got to do that one again. But uh, it, you it's still a cool experience right. watching baiting you know putting the trees in the baits and watching all of the it, it was it was still pretty cool but so those two i'm still waiting on but hopefully by the time i'm by the time i'm dead and gone i i will have gotten those plus a handful of others as well so right now it's new zealand and australia on your bucket list yeah well again like i said i'm, I'm going to cameroon for those hunts um i'm I was potentially going to Russia to do some uh, sheep hunting, put that one on hold, obviously, now for yep. God knows how long. But um, 
a lot of the a lot of the Middle East stuff, some of the stand countries, you know, to go Marco Polo and some of the big sheep hunting. Um, I'll eventually get to that, hopefully. But uh, I'm going to I'm going up to uh, to British Columbia on a moose hunt this next year, and uh, so yeah, there's there's a bunch of different stuff. And and don't get me wrong, I'm never against. Midwest hunting, you know, South Dakota and Indiana and, and doing all the stuff here in the United States. I absolutely love it, but I feel like I need to hit some of the big stuff while I'm still young enough to do the travel. Yeah, well, your legs are still young enough to get you up the mountain. That's right. The mountain hunting, they always say, do that while you can, because when, you, when you're 65, 70 and you're a little bit, you know, you're a little bit beyond your pride, it gets much, much more difficult. So I kind of want to do the hard things first and then, and then, uh, maybe sink back into some of the easier stuff when I get a little older. So record-breaking ranch, that was originally your family getaway. Well, um, I actually bought the ranch about five years ago. I started it thinking um, when I was getting close to the end of my football career, I wanted to have a ranch where, where, you know, this day and age, it's hard to find public ground. It's hard for people to be able to invest a lot of time putting in food plots, hanging stands, doing all of that stuff. So for me, um, you know, I bought a ranch in Missouri. Um, we high fenced it. I've got a big, beautiful 10,000 square foot lodge there. Wow. We've got beautiful, gigantic deer, elk, lots of different exotics. We have some odd ads, some sheep running around. Just, just a, it's really, it's really a five-star place. When I go to Africa, it's kind of Africa in the United States in the sense of, um, you sleep in a beautiful lodge. We've got our chefs are second to none. I mean, they, they do a great job. I've never had a single complaint. Ever. The only complaint that people usually give is I've gained 10 pounds since I've been here because the food's so good. <laughs> so, um, our, our guys are great. We, we put them on big deer and elk and all kinds of stuff. And, and it's really, you know, it's turnkey. So it's, it's for the client that, that, that may be the businessman that doesn't have a lot of time to spend in the woods doesn't have a lot of time to put in food plots and hang stands, maybe doesn't have any, you know, private ground. So they can come out to us, spend three or four days, have a hunt of a lifetime, have a great, great time. And, you know, the, the guys are caping the animals out and we'll send them to the tech. I mean, it's really, it's turnkey five-star for people that want to come and do it. And like I said, it's in Midwest Missouri. It's easy to get to work an hour and 15 minutes from St. Louis. So it's it's really easy to get there. Anybody that, that wants to experience something like that, go on to the recordbreakingranch.com and check it out. It's it's uh, it's second to none. You gonna do my laundry like they do in Africa also? <laughs> uh, you know what? Usually on a three-day hunt, people don't ask for that, but yes, absolutely, we definitely can. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, what is it like being an outfitter? as opposed to being on the other side all this time? Um, I enjoy it. You know, it's fun for me because it's not, you know, I, I guess the way I look at it is, is guiding there is, is, is a lot like taking my kids out. You know, it's my, my sons when they were growing up. Um, I don't necessarily have to pull the trigger or sling the arrow myself. I'm right there with them, experiencing it helping them score and judge the animal and, and kind of getting them. So I get to experience their excitement, even though I'm sitting right next to them. So for me, I, I really, really enjoy it. You know, everybody has great stories and, and we have a lot of repeat customers. Uh, um, most of the people that can't come the first time are booking for the next year right away because they enjoyed it so much. So for me, that tells me that we're doing a good job and people enjoy coming back. So 
I, I enjoy it. And then obviously we, we talk a lot of football and, and uh, sure. people ask a lot about, you know, playing in the NFL and experiences and stuff like that. So we've got a couple of good stories that people like to hear about that too at times. Well, I know from guiding some hunts myself, people are nuts. Huh? They have fun. What's, what's the craziest thing that's happened when you're guiding on your ranch? Um, I think one of the, I don't know if it's crazy, but we have, I'll say some bloodthirsty clients is a good way of saying it. Uh, one of our best clients came in and he wanted to kill a big elk and, and he, he's a guy that comes back once or twice a year, every year. And he can't, can't sit without killing something. But anyway, um, my, my lead guide took him out. He wanted to shoot an elk and it was, it was right at the beginning of the bugle season. So my, my guide bugles in this beautiful bull elk and, and he's a bow hunter. And so it walks out into the field. He, he makes a beautiful shot and, you know, shoots him right in the right spot. He bucks up, takes off running, goes down into the ravine. And, and my guide, Eric, continues a cow call like a lot of times you do just to keep him calm, whatever. Well, sure enough, that elk wasn't, that bull wasn't by himself. He was with another bull. And then the second bull walks out and, and Jason ends up, pulling an arrow, re-knocking an arrow, shoots the next bull, whack. And, and Eric goes, oh, you know, that's the second bull. And he goes, yeah, I know. You got any more? <laughs> so I don't know if that's crazy or not, but he uh, he wanted to shoot every single off we had on our ranch. So uh, I love him. He is a psychopath in a good way when it comes to, uh, when it comes to wanting to shoot stuff. So uh, he's been back several times a year, every year. I mean, my goodness, he has a good time when he's here. But those are the clients. We love those guys because they there is we enjoy it as much as they do, I think. Yeah, definitely. Now, I got some uh, quick questions here. I'm going to ask you one or the other. Just give me the first thing that pops in your head. Uh, bow or crossbow? Bow. Bow or rifle? Bow again. Mechanical or fixed blade? Mechanical. <laughs> I know Africa, they always say we want fixed blade all the time, but I've had great experience with mechanical ones. I've never had a failure. They've always done a good job. I think the technology at this point is so good. Now, if you're shooting a Cape Buffalo in Africa, you have a, a two-blade, fixed blade, heavy, heavy, heavy thing. But for, for North America, Midwest, uh, deer, elk, mechanical, I, I like it. I, I do. That's my thing. Favorite game animal? I better say whitetail, but I love elk hunting. Elk hunting, it, it, probably elk, probably. Parcells or Belichick? Ooh. Um, <laughs> ooh. You're going to get me in trouble on this one. Uh, Bill Parcells is my favorite all-time football coach. I, uh, I'm sorry. Bill Belichick is my favorite all-time football coach. Now, Bill Parcells, I learned a lot from. He was my coach as a rookie. I have to give him all the love in the world because I he, he was the deciding factor of bringing me to the team and keeping me on the team. So he, he's got a definite special place in my heart. But Bill Belichick, I don't think that there is a better football coach, X's and O's, than he is. So I'm going to say – Bill Belichick, number one, but that is absolutely no slight on Bill Parcells or Tony Dungy or all the great coaches that I've had along the way. All right, here's uh, last question. Uh, 2002, playing the Raiders, blinding snowstorm, 
Pats came storming back from a 10-point deficit. 27 seconds left on the clock. Are you thinking? <laughs> Please don't let me be Scott Norwood. <laughs> um, well, I tell you what, it was uh, yeah, I'm sitting there watching the whole the whole was it a tuck, was it a fumble, all that stuff. And I'm thinking to myself as I watched uh, Woodson go around the corner and strip the ball out of Brady's hand, I'm like, holy crap, the season's over. Like, we just lost. And then all of a sudden, hey, it plays under review. And then it went from, crap, we have to clean out our lockers and go home tomorrow, not make it to, oh, my God, it's coming down to you. You've got to kick a 45-yard field goal, the most difficult kick you've had to kick in your entire life. And, oh, by the way, if you don't make it, you lose. So, um, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure when we talked about before, you know, that buck walks out and your heart's pounding and your palms are sweaty. Uh, I had that same feeling in this situation. And and how I made that kick, I'm not sure. I still go back and look at it and just wonder, like, oh, my gosh, you know, that that was incredible that that not that I didn't fall on the ground and kick the ball into the lineman's butt, that it actually got above the line of scrimmage and it went 45 yards and a in a driving snowstorm. Yeah, that's 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 definitely the kick that I'm the most proud of over my entire career. But um yeah, I don't I don't know how we, you know, kick that a hundred times and make it three times, five times. I don't know, but I made the one when I had to, and that's all that mattered. And, uh the rest was history, I guess. We ended up winning the Super Bowl a couple weeks after that, which was pretty awesome. That has to be one of my all-time favorite games, aside from the Giants beating the Pats in the Super Bowl. Oh, I, I, I hear you. No, I hear you. I wasn't on that team on that at that when I was with the Colts at that point. So uh, I watched it intently. Uh, obviously, I had a bunch of friends in the Pats still wanted them to win, but uh, yeah, I was a bystander in that game. Uh, you've had an amazing career. It's uh, yeah, twenty-four years. How do you do twenty-four years? Well, uh, you know, honestly, it's a, a whole lot of preparation and hard work, and then a probably quite a bit of luck as well in the sense that you stay healthy and you, you know, I, I learned early in my career, I had really great teammates, Willie McGinnis and Troy Brown and Teddy Bruschi and some of those guys that played for the Patriots early, you know, we learned how to keep our bodies in shape. And, you know, they brought in the physical therapist and the massage therapist and they told, you know, early, they're like, listen, you're young, you don't need a lot of work, but you should think about taking care of your body because your body is your tool. So eat right, make sure you're in the training room, do all the little things that keep you healthy because if you get a little bit, oh, you know, this feels off, and then it, it doesn't take long for that little thing to become a big thing. So I think I learned really early um, in my career to, to try to take care of my body the best I could, to, to make sure you ate right, to make sure you get enough sleep. You're not out you're not out screwing around at the bar chasing women. You're home getting getting the right amount of, of, you know, rest and all that stuff so you can perform on the field. So thankfully for me, I learned that early in my career that, that I didn't want to be a guy that played two years and was gone or three years like most people. And, yep. and then I guess, you know, once, once I figured that out and kind of maintained that formula for success – but, but even with that, you know, you know, don't be afraid to be in the training room. Being in the training room isn't just for injured guys. It's to make sure that you stay healthy and you can do everything right. And, and I, think, I think one of the greatest things in my longevity 
is I was able to help some of the younger guys along too, to learn out how to be a pro, you know what I mean? How yeah. to, how to take care of your body, how to do the right stuff, how to say no to the things that you shouldn't be doing. And, and I think I've, hopefully I've helped some, some of the other guys keep their longevity as well. So for me, you know, and, and, and then it's a lot to do with luck. I've had, had six surgeries throughout my career, but nothing that put me off the field until the last one in 2019. I, my knee surgery could come back from. And that's probably also because I was 46, 47 years old and bodies don't heal quite the same way at that point. No. But, but ultimately, all in all, like I said, it, I was very, very blessed to be around the right people at the right time to help me uh, do the right stuff. And I have to probably credit my my wife. You know, I met her early in my career and and she, she bought into all of the nutrition and the sleep and all that stuff. So she made it easier for me to, to be a pro. So it kept I think you in check is what you're really saying. Right, right. <laughs> He's a big reason for my success. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, this has been great. And, my pleasure. My pleasure. Where, where can we find uh, you on social media and uh, Record Breaking Ranch? Where can we find all of that? Well, very, very easy. Obviously, I'm on Twitter and Instagram on my personal Adam Vinatieri. Um, and then the Record Breaking Ranch has, I mean, the easiest way, if anybody wants to check into it, book a hunt, any of that stuff, easiest way is just go on to the record break, recordbreakingranch.com and you'll find it. It's in Fulton, Missouri. You'll, you'll pop up. You'll, you'll see Big Beer. You'll, you'll know you're on the right spot. Um, there's, there's all the information's on there on how to book a hunt, on contact information and all that stuff. And we also have an Instagram and Twitter account as well for recordbreakingranch.com. So, uh, very easy to find us, get a hold of us. And, uh, I hope, hopefully there's lots of people that see this and say, hey, man, I gotta go check out his ranch and go hunting with him. So if you do come on, I would love, we'd love to have you. And they do that. We appreciate there you go. it. There you go. Thanks again. My pleasure.